Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. The second round of National Football League action produced plenty of drama and excitement over the weekend, headlined by Mickey Hart going up against his native county as a manager for the first time yesterday. The Oakleaf County ran out comprehensive winners in the end over Tyrone and Celtic Park. And on Saturday night, we had more drama, with Dublin once again being pipped by one point, this time by Mayo, as they kicked a late point to grab a valuable victory. Welcome to the latest episode of the Throwin Football Show. Will Slattery here with you, and I'm delighted to be joined by Dick Clerken and Conor McKeown. And Dick, we might start with that game in Derry yesterday. Obviously, plenty of early season intrigue about Mickey Hack going up against Tyrone for the first time as a manager. And kind of Derry continuing their very strong start to the season, obviously beating Kerry last weekend, and now comprehensive winners over Tyrone. How impressed have you been, like taking into the account that they're probably maybe pushing a little harder early season than some other teams? Still two very impressive victories. Yeah, and good morning, lads. Yeah, listen, Mickey, Mickey Hart, his lifetime, I think he said it post-match interview, like, it doesn't matter what time of the year it is, what competition, what game it is, he plays to win, you know, whether it's McKenna Cup, National League, and, and that's always been his approach. It was always his approach at Throne, and, and he's taken he's taken the same approach now with Kerry. Like, he, he, he believes in momentum, he believes in the the positivity and the benefits of winning games and 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 getting that sort of mentality um in this team and, and and that's what he's doing with these guys like they're showing no sign of of stepping back or or and they're really just pushing on you just get the sense that there's just a, a bit of a a complete push and focus to 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 go the full way and and every game is is sort of a stepping stone in that like he's he's just got his sights firmly set on on an All Ireland in at the end of July and and everything is is a, is a stepping stone towards that and listen to, to the form team I know a lot of other teams will talk about them later the carries the Dublins they're showing you know signs that they're moving towards but but if you were to sort of pick a form team and put good money on them at the minute you know Derry's Derry's looking a very good bet and just very very structure they haven't lost any of that organization and fluency that they had with with Rory Gallagher like they've just sort of seamlessly transitioned between two three managers which which shows the quality of the players that they're not dependent on a on a manager as such to, to drive and coordinate them they've just got like the likes of Connor Glass Chrissy McKay they've got such strong leaders right through the spine of the team and that ultimately is going to be the biggest thing, keeping all those guys fit and fresh and at the level of performance. But based on what we've seen and seen on on, on uh, yesterday, it's going to be hard to beat. Yeah, Connor. Like when Mickey Hart left Tyrone, like there was a view I think in Tyrone that 
I suppose he wasn't the man that could anymore win in All-Ireland. At the time, it maybe passed him by. And then when he was announced as Derry manager, it was a bit of a surprise. No one had flagged it. Like, do you think Derry are closer to winning an All-Ireland now with Mickey Hart at the helm than they would have been, say, at the end of last season, you know, running Kerry very close or if another manager had come in? Like, do you think Mickey Hart can win an All-Ireland still in his managerial career? Well, he can because he has the right materials. He's in the right county, you know. Like, when you say are they any closer to winning All-Ireland, well, they've won back-to-back Ulster titles and they were within a whisker of Kerry in an All-Ireland semi-final last year. So you can't go much closer without winning it. You know, I mean, the only thing left to do is get to a final and then go and win it. Um, and I was, I only saw the clips of the match yesterday, but I was in Tralee last week. And um, I suppose what struck me is that, like a lot of us were trying to figure out what does a Mickey Hart Derry team look like? And the answer to the question is that it looks exactly like the Kermina Derry team, which was exactly like the Rory Gallagher Derry team. All the same players were playing. They all played in the same positions. It was the same kind of squad composition. Uh, they ran the ball in the same way. They used their pace in the same way. Um, when it suited them, they went long off kickouts to Rogers and um, Connor Glass. Uh, Chrissy Mc- or uh, uh, Oren Lynch sort of plays as an out ball. Like sometimes he was playing ahead of the two for the Derry um, defenders back. So he was playing as the spare man because he wasn't being marked. Um, and I think they're vulnerable in the same way. We don't talk much about Derry's vulnerabilities, but I think the way they play, they get so many bodies forward um, and Lynch leaves his goal so much that when they do turn over the ball, which is very rarely because they've got great ball handlers in pace, but when they do turn it over, they're vulnerable. Um, and we saw that in the goal that Kerry scored last week when um, when Ganey just basically tapped the ball into an empty net after Rodgers had been turned over. So, I mean, they're, they're identical to what they were last year. Mickey wisely hasn't tampered with too much of what has made them good. And I think Mickey's philosophy that Dick outlined about winning every game, like I think Mickey's record in the McKenna Cup is 13 wins out of 22 appearances, which is, so, I mean, you don't do that by accident. I mean, that's a pointed, you know, that shows an attitude that he has towards that competition. But I think that philosophy, you know, if Mickey, you know, took over Dublin this year, I'm not sure he could necessarily go that route because of the age profile and everything else with the squad. But Derry's age profile is such, and they've so much pace in the squad and everything else, I think it kind of suits them to go that way as well. Um, and up in Division 1, they're off to an absolute flyer. And I think by the time it comes back to that time of year, when they have when, when they have to take the next step, the one that they haven't taken yet, to, to, to be the Dublin or a Kerry in Crow Park or to win in All-Ireland, I think they'll be far better for having you know, built that momentum and, you know, figured out those kind of game situations, the game management, everything else that goes into it. So, um, you know, it's only been positive so far. And, you know, I think maybe, you know, it could be that in 2024, Derry are actually a better fit to Mickey Hart's management style than Tyrone would have been. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, only, the only caveat, so we'll, we'll talk about Kerry in a minute and maybe an over-reliance on a single player. Like, I think, you know, even watching him again, I know there's much talk but Connor Glass, you know, coming back into the panel, like he's he is such a, a dominant presence around the midfield for them. Like he just seems to be uh, popping up everywhere you think he should be. There he is, whether it's on the end of a play, or end of the kickouts, or even the last man back tackling. Like how many turnovers have we seen now in that sort of critical score in D area? Like uh, you should just run the stats on them alone. Like he is such an influence on that whole team knitting together. If something was to happen him in a big game, be it an injury or a black card or something, that to me is 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 a single big risk factor because he is and, and we've seen that I think it was in the in the, the league final last year against Dublin, probably one 
game over the last two or three years, they really looked a sort of an average team as when, when he was off the pitch and, you know, keeping him right and fresh. But he's, listen, he's he's a consummate professional himself when you hear him talk and how he prepares. So he'll know where he needs to be. He'll look after his body as much as expecting anybody else. But like he is, to me, probably the, the informed best footballer in Ireland. The minute, you know, David Clifford's coming and we, we've seen a, a glimpse of what he's going to bring to 2024. But in terms of the, the body of work behind him already, Connor Glass is, is out in his own at the minute. Yeah, I'd be interested as well. Maybe Dick as a midfielder. Just like I, I, I've interviewed Connor Glass a couple of times after games, and what strikes you is that he's not, in, in terms of muscle mass, he's not the biggest guy around at all. You know, if you walk past him in the street, you wouldn't go, geez, there's a big intercounty footballer. And another guy who's a bit like that as well is Brian Fenton. You know, there's not any extra fat or any sort of bulky muscle on Brian Fenton. And the two of them are extraordinarily durable. They just don't get injured. I think Fenton, somebody was telling me yesterday, Fenton has played all but 20 minutes of Desi Farrell's entire reign. So those guys are so key to their teams. But I think what works for them is, I'm sure some of it is you know, physiology, but I think a lot of it has to do with the way they're conditioned. They don't get injured, you know, whatever about impact or anything else, they just, they don't seem to pick up muscle injuries, soft tissue injuries or any of those sort of things. And part of, I think, what makes them so influential is that they're always on the pitch. It is, and, and even I, I you're, you're right. I look at those the, those boys now, and 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 the, the shape and physique of of Gaelic footballers is changing like that. Whereas when I played, you know, weights and S and C was coming in, and a lot of boys were just pumping iron and getting big, and you would have found. And I probably looking back was maybe too top heavy. You look at these boys, big strong legs, big strong. You know, they're they're strong. They've got power, and even the way you look at Brian uh, Fenton and Connor, the way they just sort of glide across the pitch like they can cover box to box almost with no effort you know their 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 weight and their, their physique is in the right places do you know what I mean they're not they're not carrying cause, and you actually don't need it now if you think now like, that there's, a, there's so few big hits in Gaelic football you don't need to be carrying big body weight you just need to have power in the in the legs and the hips and that's where these guys have it and they can just sort of glide around the pitch and, and be so so effective and sometimes it looks like it's a sort of minimal energy for them you know but listen great to watch because a bit of a throwback we thought the mid fielder in in his old school ways was sort of gone and, and Connor Glass and Fenton and these boys are sort of bringing it back in terms of how they play the game so it is I, I love watching them to be honest with you yeah. Connor Glass's partnership with Brendan Rodgers as well has been extremely uh, effective for Derry but from a Toronto perspective Connor you know watching the game yesterday you wouldn't have picked Toronto as a team that had won in Ireland in the last couple of years obviously between form panel absentees and just guys kind of working their way back into a new season it wasn't the same team but that won the All-Ireland a few years ago but Besides maybe the emergence of Derek Hanneman, there's not a whole pile of positives for them, you know, going into 2024. Or do you see anything that I haven't, or I've missed maybe? No, I haven't seen anything at all. It's been a remarkable disintegration from an All Ireland winning team. It's hard to maybe cork in 2010 or another team um, that sort of, you know, quickly went downhill afterwards. But I think the difference with Cork in 2010 was, you know, a lot of their panel were coming towards their peak by the time they'd won it. You know, they'd gotten closer and closer. Whereas I think Tyrone's All Ireland. It looks more and more like the smash and grab that a lot of people thought of net was at the time. Now, they deserve credit for doing that that year. Um, but, um, and I remember being at the All Ireland Under 20 final the following year when they beat Kerry and Derek Hanavan ran amok and Big Michal McLean um, was unstoppable under the high ball. And here were a couple of ready made players forwards that were going up into senior that were going to give you even more variety, you know. But um, it hasn't happened at all. And it's hard to 
it's hard to sort of identify it because for a team that plays with so much energy that, you know, that like Vim, you know, Vigor, it's kind of their defining characteristic as a team. Um, almost like there you are now, they don't seem to possess a huge amount of it. Um, and they don't send chills into into many other teams. Like I remember being on this podcast last year after round six of the, six of the league and both myself and Dick have been in Clonus and Tyrone had come and ransacked the place. And mm. if you were to say that one of those teams that they were going to be All-Ireland semi-finalists, well, anybody who identified Manon would have been sort of quietly shepherded into a, into a padded cell, you know? I mean, it just, it, it didn't look like it was going to be that case at all. Um, but no, since the championship last year, something has gone badly amiss with Tyrone. And, you know, I know the talk this time of year is about caveats and time in your own and everything else and you know that's something that will shroud all our analysis of particularly Dublin and Kerry but for a team like Tyrone they need the good vibes you know they need to start well they need to gather a bit of momentum um, you know a bit like a couple of the counties in Division 2 who have started poorly you know they are of the profile where winning at this time of year and putting in good performances is not only beneficial but it's crucial and they're not doing it and it doesn't bode well yeah, especially after, you know, it was close at half time yesterday as well. And it looked like they were, you know, I think they were six points to one down. They got it back to two points at half time and maybe kicking on in the second half. I think they had the win in the second half, but Derry just completely bossed the game uh, from then on. We might move on to the, the Monaghan Kerry game. Dick, I know you were there in Clonus yesterday. We we're talking off air. You got to see kind of David Clifford mania firsthand. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah it is, it's a very entertaining afternoon in terms of, and I, I think there's a, the GA are, are they're not missing a trick but the potential for the league and, and what it is for families and kids they can bring kids for free, for free. There's, there's there's something more can be done for the match day experience because of what they're coming into like there was I think it was close to 10,000 people in Clonus yesterday I'd say when it was announced during the week that the Cliffords were on the team sheet I'd say there was an extra two or three thousand because it, it was that you could even sense that coming in there was a sort of a buzz and to be fair I don't think that the, the, the amount of stewards that they needed for the crowd that was there on the day you know there's just people pouring into different parts of the ground that weren't open so you know the game itself very enjoyable first half you know it stopped Kerry had the breeze Sean O'Shea was you know whatever David Clifford he was imperious from, from start to finish in the terms of kicking it I, I don't think he hit a wide and they hit the breeze and Monaghan like they did against Dublin started very slowly but next thing Monaghan started to build into it started opening up Kerry few goal chances the crowd got behind them then they got in behind and it just made for really really great stuff the next thing here 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 Jack O'Connor gives the nod to the boy Clifford to come on just before half time. So there was a whole leading into the game, and then as the game progressed, this intrigue around you know when Clifford's going to play. So he had to roll the bench a wee bit quicker than he probably had expected, but he came in and and really it was the subs that that made the difference in the second half between David and Paddy came in, Tag Morley, Kerry sort of controlled that second half. There's no point in saying otherwise. Monaghan, you know, fought fought hard, fought well. But Clifford's goal, just a bit of magic in terms of setting it up and finish it, just put too much between the, the size of Monaghan just couldn't claw back. But it, listen, it was a, three, a lot of positives from Monaghan still. They competed really well. The young lads especially put their heads up with with, with, with good good good, good hours work. So so Vinny will be sort of pragmatic as well in, in many ways. And I, I met Jack O'Connor on the pitch after. It was a very brief chat. And I said, I said to him, listen, we'll take it as a compliment that it took your best to beat us. And it did. Like Kerry, and he said, we wanted the two points. He said that to me, oh, we wanted the two points, Dick. And I said, well, you just got them and you deserve them. But 
he wasn't going to make the same as Dub- the same mistake that Dublin did and think think that they were going to beat Monaghan in third gear. He knew he had to bring his best to beat them. They did. It was good enough, and he'd be very happy heading down the road last night. Yeah, Connor, on that point about you know. Kerry needing their best like uh, it was surprising to me you know, I think before the league I saw some Jack O'Connor quotes where he intimated that the Cliffords wouldn't be you know involved in the first two rounds give them a little bit of a break obviously the Derry defeat Kerry butchered a couple of goal chances ordinarily they'd take maybe if the two lads had been playing and then they call on David Clifford not only off the bench and put him on the bench but in the first half as well like it doesn't do much for the narrative that they're over-reliant on David Clifford that they needed to spring him in the first half of a second round league game to get things going maybe I've no idea. I, like I'm, I'm as surprised as you are. I was in Derry, and or I was in sorry, actually when Derry played, and, and Jack was very coy on on the prospect of the two lads coming into the squad, and he said it in such a way that you know we're sticking to our plan, whatever our plan is, and we sort of all assumed that you know the leaping schedule the way it is with two games and then the break that the natural time for the lads to come back into the squad was um, you know in two weeks' time, but. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he was looking for two league points. Maybe he was looking for a reaction from the first game. Maybe he wanted to see how certain players would perform with David Clifford in the team. Maybe he just wanted to get games into David Clifford. You know, he hasn't played a match since the intermediate uh, Kerry final, which was was at the end of November. So we must have thought that it was beneficial. I don't think they would have brought him up just for the sake of it. I don't think, you know, Jack was pressing any crisis buttons or anything else. But, um, you know, maybe it just maybe just change the kind of vibe around the team or whatever um, it is. Um, but, you know, they still have three or four forwards that they're going to be trialing over the course of the league. So I'm surprised they didn't just let them at it, you know, because when Sean O'Shea is in the team, you've got a, a guy who's going to get 90% of his freeze. You know, it's not as if you're going to be losing anything from there. A lot of pace and energy in the half-forward line. So, um, yeah, like playing David was, was hugely surprising as far as I'm concerned but um, I'm sure I'm sure there was reason behind it I'm sure it was just the case at two points like I was just listening to Davey Burke yesterday the Roscommon manager in in the Hyde he made the point that this year's Division 1 is very much the eight best teams in the country like last year we had you could make a case for Donegal but other than that um, you know like last year we had Dublin and Derry in Division 2 and and that probably meant that there were one or two weekends when you know the best teams um, could maybe rely on the two points, but you know if you lose your first game here, it's very hard to look at the next six games and, and see where you pick up a couple of handy points. And um, you know more than any county, I'm not sure, I'm not sure Kerry necessarily wants to be in Division Two, and and I don't think that they want to spend the second half of the league, you know, everything they do coloured by all the talk of a potential relegation battle. So maybe it was as simple as three <coughs> points. Yeah, and, and and I'd say there was a couple of things. I'd say the. the when he sat and looked at the fixtures, it was never the intention. But the fact that they lost against Derry, so they hadn't two points in the can, and then Monaghan done what they did against Dublin, he was like, oh, "Hold on a minute here, we, we can't, we can't lose two games against two Ulster teams and have a two week break with no points in the board." That that's no dressing room wants that, no manager wants that sitting early doors. It, it doesn't, even though yeah, it's, you're always talking with the long game you don't want that sort of niggling away and then all the talk then is for two weeks void. it's oh well you can't win a game without Davy Clifford and all this so he probably just sort of said listen it wasn't the intention but I think he, he made reference in his post-match interview that the boys have been training they've been flying they were mad to play you know, why not bring them up the road and job done like he came in they, they put in a good shift no injuries 
points in the bag, everything's positive heading down the road. Do you know what I mean? And uh, I'd say he just didn't want to run the risk of of joining Dublin or at the at the bottom of the table after the first two weeks. Well, yeah, I mentioned his quotes before the league. He also said that he like he couldn't live with himself if Kerry got relegated from Division One, so he definitely selected his team. I think accordingly yeah. to that. To that. Um, now speaking of Dublin, then Connor, you know they're at the foot of the table, no points from two matches. Now two narrow, one point defeats, but two defeats nonetheless. And again, it's only like you know the hallmark of. I know they're all Ireland champions now, but maybe some of the prior Dublin teams was their game management at the end and managing leads or or kind of eking out a late score. They couldn't do that against Mayo and then got caught napping for for Fergal Boland's winner. Like, what have you made of them over the course of the, four, the first two weeks and, and I, I suppose how they managed the end game in Mayo on Saturday night? Well, I thought there was a massive improvement um, on Castle Bar than there was against Monaghan and Crow Park. You know, the first half in particular, they looked really sharp. You know, Jack McCaffrey looked like he was going to sort of blaze a trail over the whole season. But I, I do think Mayo you know, were probably a bit better conditioned. Um, and I, I think Dublin faded out of the game a, a fair bit in the second half. Like McCaffrey at one stage was dominating the game and there was about 20 minutes in the second half where you just didn't see him. He, he wasn't on the ball, you know. He, he didn't come into the screen. So um, I would imagine Dublin are at a slightly different point in their in their in their season. I know Desi Farrell said afterwards that Division Two wasn't a big deal last year, but I think he might be in, be being a small bit facetious because, you know, I was at a few of the Division Two games last year and I could see lots of glum faces at some of the kind of some of the outposts that they were being sent to play their games while the real stuff was happening in Division One. So I do think they'll try and avoid that at all costs. And I think it makes the league more interesting, you know, the fact that Dublin are now scrambling. I think if Dublin had won their first two games or got three points or even just won one of the two games, um, you know, the the, the the idea that they could run in a few more players and maybe take their foot off the gas before the start of the championship, you know, that would detract from the league as a spectacle. You know, we want a bit of jeopardy and now there's huge jeopardy on all of Dublin's games from here on in. They have to be Roscommon at home. Um, that's the easiest on paper of their remaining five fixtures. So, um, yeah, they'll have to change it. But like, there are positives from Dublin. Like I thought Theo Clancy was very good in Ed O'Shea um, the last day. I'm not sure O'Shea won a clean ball. I thought Greg McEnany had a fine game as well. And that's like, you know, what are Dublin looking for, really? They're looking for two or three players. Um, and the big revelation is like Jack McCaffrey, okay, didn't have a good game against Monon, but he got through the period of time he was on the pitch. That's the longest Jack McCaffrey has played for Dublin in four years, you know. Um five years nearly and, and the same at the weekend so you know if you look at the Dublin team it's great to have one or two players coming through but if you look at the players who came back last year Jack was never fit Conor Callan had a poor season by his standards Kenny was dropped Paul Mannion only got fit by the All-Ireland series so you know even from those really kind of frontline players I think there's a lot more to come from them this year and I think you know of all the teams in the league for me Dublin are the one that are playing the long game because they probably have to. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, you'd be worried though, like, they should have beat Monon and they should have beat Mayo. Like, they were, they were in control of both games really. Like, and, and that would be a worrying thing that, you know, the Dublin at their pump, they didn't lose those games. They just had enough nice and savvy to, to to get the job done and whatever came off the bench would, would, would close games out and that was you just sort of got used to that you just you could they didn't lose games that you thought that they, they might and there's two games that you you know it was very hard to see Monaghan beating them you know and, and even the way sure, sure that first 20 minutes like Mayo looked 
leagues apart from them on, on Saturday night. So that'll be a bit concerning that not 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 the players that they have out on the pitch at the minute, regardless of who might come back or fitness, they should be able to get the job done. And and it's just is there a, a, a hunger or, or a sharpness or something missing there that they're not closing those games out? You know, that ruthlessness that we were so, you know, customary with 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 Dublin, haven't seen that, you know, and, and even their lack of sort of goal chances, you know, that, you know, Conor Callaghan, you know, they're, they're sort of all playing around the edge and it's all very structured, but, you know, like they should be, you know, they used to be tearing two or three goal chances in a game, and that's where they really put teams away, and they're, they're just not doing that. Um, so you'd be a concern from that point of view that they're just not showing that level of ruthlessness. I know it's early in the in in, in the season, but at the same time now, you know, not going to be much crack in, in in the Dublin training camp. Two weeks, two defeats behind them. You know, the same as we were talking with Kerry. Winning is a habit, as they say. You know, even though they were in Division Two last year, they were winning games. That that that's a positive thing, no matter what level that you're at. Losing games is not a positive thing, and it doesn't bode well for any team trying to build for um, bigger things in the year. So they they'll want to get back on the the winning track very quickly, and and God help us, common in, in two weeks' time, because I, I do fear that they're gonna they're gonna get the brunt of that, because you're gonna see it soon at some stage. Yeah, I don't think I, I just don't think the Dublin are built like that anymore. They're not the team that Jim Gavin was over. You no, know? their age profile. Like when Jim Gavin came in there, they still had you know the guts of that team. Were in their peak: Paul Flynn, Bernard Brogan, Michael Darren McCauley, Darren Connolly, and then you had this new wave of Fenton, Kilkenny, John Smallcombe. So it was the perfect mix, and it meant that everybody is rabid and everybody yeah. is fighting for their place, and you have to perform every day, and you have the best squad. That's the other thing that had the best squad in the country, probably by some distance. Yeah. Whereas now, I think the profile of the team and the squad is such that... And look, you know, we have nothing else to go on at this time of year. So we have to take what we see with our eyes as being valid. But the fact of the matter is, no more than that day in Clonus when, when Tyrone destroyed Mullen um, last year, you know, when Dublin drew with Ross Common last year in the Round Robin series, you know, they looked woeful. When Kerry were obliterated, obliterated by Mayo in uh, Killarney in the Round Robin series, in the All Ireland Championship, we were all saying that Kerry aren't there. They were the two All Ireland finalists. So yeah. sooner or later, we're going to learn our lessons. But until then, <laughs> back there again in July. With we'll back there in July again. <laughs> all those pundits know. Yeah, yeah ringing the bomber. We're already making it up as we go along. And Jake, what will Mayo be thinking after the first two rounds? You know, they were much more comprehensive victors over Galway than they were over Dublin, and you know, they didn't hit their for long periods the goal probably came at a great time for them just when they needed that little bit of oxygen but you know Kevin McShay said he would have taken a point he ended up with two like they must be delighted how they started the season Oh, absolutely. I'd say he, he he's probably scratching his head, wondering how, how they got the two points the other night because they looked anything but it for, for large periods. Yeah, the, the, the goal just was a you know a nice bit of luck but he's sitting pretty. It'll be interesting to see what approach he takes. You know, the He'll pick up enough points over the next couple of games to leave them safe. You know, six, seven points will do do the job. Does he want to be in the same situation as he was in last year? You know, league final and the run into the Connacht. It'd be interesting to see what what their strategy is. You know, post league. You know, will he start resting players or or sort of like I'm looking at, for instance, from a modern point of view, we've got them in the last game of the league in Clonus. I'd love if he was sort of thinking, right? I think because I think he sort of put out a set of second team last year, was it two years ago that, that Monon went to Castlebar and won? That they, they, they've sort of like, we've enough done for the league, let's start prepping for 
for the Connacht Championship. And you know, so I'd say he could be delighted that we've got got that body work. You're not having to go down to the last two runs of the league and uh, two games of the league to get enough points on the board. So I'd say he's absolutely delighted just to have the points. A lot to improve on. Let's be honest as well. Like there was you know, very poor in the first half for large parts. You know, they need to get Tommy Conroy back in, get still figure out. I'm I'm not sure. Are they gonna land back in Croke Park with Aidan O'Shea playing the same position, expecting the same route? You know, they need to figure that out. I'm not sure Killian O'Connor, you know, so they need to figure that out and not be coming back and, and expecting a different outcome in terms of the roles that, that these players play. Um so he'd be happy, but still a lot to do based on what we've seen as well yeah, I just I, I, talking about teams priorities and that sort of thing it was interesting um, that it was a week before or 10 days before the start of the league Kevin McStay ho- hosted like a pre-league media night which is quite unusual and I, I wasn't there but I know to be briefed sort of journalists off the record kind of almost gave a bit of a you know a manifesto beforehand and I, I heard a lot of his interviews and they were all very similar and Kevin is, is nothing if not a good communicator. And I, mm-hmm. it was very obvious that he was trying to, you know, I suppose the cliche is control the narrative, but he kept saying the same things about Mayo. You know, we were in, you know, we were in with a shout in the, by halftime in the quarterfinal last year with Dublin. We're going to be there this year. And it was a very deliberate attempt um, to control some of the talk that was around the Mayo team. Um, and I remember thinking, there's a fair chance Mayo are going to start the league well here because doing that, is completely worthless if you then go out and you botch your first couple of games. And I think with Mayo having Galway in Dublin in their first two games, it looked like a very obvious place to start. And now Kevin, I think, has achieved what he was out for. You know, the the, the talk around Mayo has changed. Nobody's talking about the quarterfinal last year. They've won their two games and they're right back up on the saddle and riding this wave that they of attention and optimism and everything else that tends they tend to get energy from. So I'm not surprised at all, not being wise after the event. I genuinely did think that there was there was going to be a, a very good early kick um, in Mayo this year because, you know, what would be the point of of trying to get your message out there that um, you're going to be challenging for everything in front of you and then you go out and you know that you're not at it in the first couple of rounds of the league. So um, whatever they do from here on in doesn't really matter now. I think that they've, they've kind of they've gotten more out of the first couple of rounds of the league than anybody else, bar maybe Derry. Well, yeah, they've beaten their biggest local rival and their biggest national rival in the first two weeks, so it doesn't get much better than that. Next up, though, is a trip to, I think, uh, to face Kerry after the break, so it doesn't get any easier for them. The final Division 1 game then, Connor, you you had the pleasure of being at Dr. Hyde Park for Roscommon mm. Galway. I, I'd encourage anyone uh, listening to read Connor's match report. It, it really gives an insight into just how windy the conditions were and just... I suppose, was there much to glean from the game, really? Obviously, people were interested to see if there was a, a, like a response from Galway after they had a, an abject display against Mayo. But from reading your report, it seems like the win kind of killed it at a bit of a contest and we're none the wiser, really, as to where Galway are. No, no, like a little part of me dies inside when I have to sort of mention the weather uh, in a match report because it's extraordinarily tedious but I mean it was the biggest single factor in the game yesterday it would have been a good day for kite surfers but I'm not sure how big that that's that sport is in Roscommon um no it was a bad wind as well and so far as like it wasn't consistent it blew in gusts and it blew into the corner of the pitch if people know the hide um not the corner where the graveyard is but the the other corner um at that end of the pitch um and it meant that Galway in the first half um you know, they took an eternity over their kick outs that, you know, balls were going missing. Goalkeeper wasn't happy with the with the <laughs> with the inflation of the ball. They went looking for other ones and uh, it looked like it was going to work because they were four points up going into I think the 34, 35th minute. 
Um, and Roscommon rattled off three points from Freeze, all from Connor Cox. And um, that probably gave them a bit of a buffer, otherwise Galway would have caught them. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was sort of chaotic and it wasn't particularly enjoyable. And I think both managers afterwards like like I, I'm not sure I know that all intercounty GA teams now have teams of analysts who analyze performances and 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 package them in lovely graphs that have colors and shapes and and bar charts and everything else but I'm not sure what the worth of the ones that Porridge Joyce and Davy Burke are looking at today because they're not going to play a match of any significance whatsoever in those sort of conditions unless unless they end up meeting in Salt Hill in a cup final or something like that but um no I don't think any team harnessed the wind particularly well um, but having said that, you know, sometimes in those conditions, you tend to find that the best footballer on the pitch kind of shines. And like Paul Conroy, all 35 years of age or whatever he is, was by far and away the best footballer on the pitch yesterday. His, his fielding and his kicking was absolutely brilliant. Um, but Galway don't, didn't have Shane Walsh, they didn't have Damien Comer. And if we're talking about priorities uh, of all the counties, other than Dublin, maybe, I'm not sure that the league is, is high on Porridge Joyce's list of priorities. Yeah. Well, do you know what's an interesting point that Davy Burke made about that? Um, and he said that having played in the in the air dome for the FPD games, um, and he said he didn't have a big panel with the Bridges players out, so they couldn't play internal challenge matches anywhere. He said the previous week against Tyrone, he said the player the legs went from the players. They were so used to mm. running on, on that surface that, yeah. that when they got onto a soft boggy pitch, the grass actually killed his players' legs. So like it's interesting. There's there's there's, <laughs> there's small little details that 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 go into a team's performance at this time of year that a less revealing manager than Davey wouldn't have even told you, you know, yeah. and that's, it, it goes to show you that there are so many idiosyncrasies to football at this time of year that we don't even appreciate. I laughed reading your report this morning, Conor, because I, I have no... I'm glad good. somebody knocked a bit of crack out of a dick. Well, I have no good <laughs> memories of the height, right? I, I, yeah. Every time you went down there, it was there was a gale blowing and there's a wind chill because it was generally in the league, February, and I remember one time, I think it was around February and be about 2012-13 and I wasn't starting and I was on the bench with Jinxie we're playing with the gale in the first and it was freezing like it was a definitely minus number wind chill and, and the boys were making a complete balls of playing with the wind and I said to Jinxie I said was it, we're, we're frightened here Jinxie and he says what do you mean he says no I'm talking about me and you not, not Monaghan he says because <laughs> we're going to have a bit of four or five point lead at half time right we're going to have to come on and play against this bloody gale in the second half. I think you absolutely like it was, you could not play against it. Like there was, you know, there was no scoring with the breeze. And that's exactly what happened. We came in stone cold with 20 minutes to go. And next thing, Roscommon started kicking points from the middle of the pitch. And we were just having to watch them go over our heads and you could do nothing. And we went off. We lost by a couple of points. Our goalkeeper, Mark Hugh, had to come on with 20 minutes to go. His feet were frozen and he broke his foot kicking the ball out. So he did because he, to get the crowd, and I said, "So any time when I hear about windy gate, it is in the hide." I just remember back to that, and I said, "There's, there's just, there's just no, no joy in it for anybody." Mm. You know? Well, I thought, I thought, as he said, I think Connor did it justice in his in his report. Probably that the highlight of, of the contest. Um, Division two guys, you know, obviously Dundee and Armagh made strong starts. I think a lot of people predicted that they're about two from two, but it's at the other end, Connor, that. There's a bit of intrigue, like Mead, Kildare and Cork, all really struggling. Mead are the only one of the three who have a point in the board. They drew it for mana, but no points anywhere else, especially Cork losing to Loud yesterday. Like Mead have obviously, you know, by winning the Chalchon Cup, will be in the Sam Maguire next year. So, you know, it's looking quite precarious for Kildare and Cork at this stage. 
Yeah, Kildare would be the one that are most curious to me. Um, like I saw them in a couple of league games last year against Derry and Cork in um, Newbridge, and they were absolutely brutal. Like it was, they were t- the two of the worst performances I saw all year, maybe the two worst. And I was talking to somebody yesterday in the Hyde who was at the Kildare uh, game on Saturday night. And he said that the first half that Kildare produced was one of the worst performances in a half of football they've ever seen. And it's very, very strange because if you were to you know, draw a list of teams that need to have a good league, that need to tap into the momentum, that need to build a bit of positive energy and a bit of positive publicity around them, Kildare are right up at the top right up at the top like they managed to make the Super 8s last year after a woeful league campaign um, and like the chances are they won't even be in the All-Ireland Series this year unless they drastically drastically change what they do in the second half of the season um, I don't know what like the three counties you need, named there Cork, Mead and Kildare you know we're, we're forever talking about needing new faces at the top table in Gaelic football you know that it needs a bit of freshening up and they're the three counties that, that should be best built to kind of insert themselves there, you know, in terms of playing numbers, in terms of interest in the county, in terms of the structure that's around them. Um, but I don't know what it is with Kildare. It's always one step forward, two steps back. Um, and this was the year with Glenn getting an extra year there, with Glenn Ryan and his management team, that they needed to make serious gains very quickly. Like me, they're a different case, whereas I think we expect a lot of me because of history. But if you go through the squad, like how many of us know too many about the footballers in that Mead squad. They're all very, very young and unproven. And it's not as if Mead club football, you know, is, is you know, a, a market leader or anything like that. So, you know, I think we need to temper our expectations on Mead a small bit. But with Kildare, there's so many of those footballers who have come and gone that at underage level, at minor and 21 or minor and 20 later, were as good as, if not better, than their Dublin counterparts, you know. They were good. They were better footballers. They were able to compete. They were able to beat Dublin those age groups, and the Dublin players they beat have gone on to win all Ireland's, and they've gone on to be on Kildare teams that have drastically underperformed. So, you know, you would imagine that a lot of it is structural. That there's something with the cultural culture in the county or the structure of how they bring players through and streamline that talent into the senior team. But I think that the senior team as an entity needed to make very sharp ground early this year and they absolutely haven't done that. And Cork are in the same boat again. I'm just I'm reluctant to talk too much about Cork because I haven't really seen anything of them other than the bare results. Um, but clearly losing to Loud now isn't a great look for them either. But there's something very... I, I've given up trying to favour Kildare football out. Like I was down... I was invited down to... The fundraising lunch in, in Nace a couple of weeks ago, the, the week before the league, and huge crowd in, in Lawlers and Nace, and great buzz. And I was talking to Glenn Ryan. And you know, when you just go down and sort of see, like, they're mad about their football and huge resources, and, and you know, great players at club level, Big numbers as well, huge numbers. And, and, and like, I just don't, it just, I can't for the life of me figure it out. You know, like, you go back, back two years ago, do you remember when they beat the big Dublin in the league? In, in in Newbridge and then they absolutely ran riot over Monaghan in, in, in the, the fixture the following weekend and they just went down remember Monaghan beat Dublin in the last game that kept Monaghan up and that actually relegated both Dublin and Kildare and, and I just think from that point on they've just sort of <laughs> they just lost all sort of form or whatever signs that they might have, might have been sort of showing that they were progressing yes and, 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 and yet there's still potential there like they should have really been beating Monaghan and Tullamore last year like they, they, they looked like a team that had plenty there but I just don't know what it is because you know they have, they have the physicality they have talent 
but whatever it is, I don't know. And, and Glenn Ryan must be just absolutely pulling his hair out because of the player that he was and the teams that he put together and played with, that he's got this level of inconsistency. It's got to the point now that no matter what he must prepare during the week, he has absolutely no idea what their team is going to show up when they turn out on a Sunday or a Saturday because such is the erraticness of the performances. And that is so frustrating as a manager and as a player in terms of you know work ethic or structure or whatever it might be. They just have, have none of that. And it's a complete lottery at this stage with Kildare and, and, and Cork are, are not too far behind them you know, in terms of the resources and, and the potential and the ceiling, as I say, that these counties should have that they're getting just nowhere near it. But sure, we're talking about that this Let's be honest. This this ten years, you know. Yeah, well, the three teams I named all have home, uh, you know, home games. Next up, Cork at home to Cavan, Mead versus Loud and Kildare Armagh. Like all three of them badly need to win. Obviously, yeah. Kildare against Armagh will probably be the toughest one given Armagh's uh, winning start to the league. Just looking at the other divisions, Connor. You know, Division Three down Antrim and West Mead all two for two, and then in Division Four. Leacham, Carlo and Leash all two for two. The big talking point in Division Four was just a McNulty, the Leash manager, who's been you know reprimanded for you know he's a member of Parliament in the North, and you know I think he's been suspended by the SDLP for leaving Stormont early to to go and manage Leash. It's, that's a kind of a, a strange one you don't see. No, no, I don't think any of us like they expected Justin to get back into management. Um, and when you think about how long the uh, the Stormont Assembly was suspended for, I mean the timing couldn't have been any. Any worse from um, but in Division Three, like I, I did think that Down and Westmead were the two likeliest to make hay there. Um, but Division Four is just a lottery, like it really is. It, it, it's very hard. I think if a good Division Three gets relegated to Division Four, it's never a fate accomplished that they're going to get immediate promotion because you kind of you kind of get dragged into some of the some of the kind of cat and dog fights that go in down there. So they'll both be interesting divisions. Um, but I mean, I suppose the big one is. Um, depending on how me get on Division 2 there's a fair chance that the Division 3 winners will end up qualifying for the All-Ireland Senior Football Championship this year so um, it's probably just something to keep in mind when you, when you look at what goes on in that division and it could be that the, the most important game you know a bit like when they you know every year with the with the playoff and the championship to go up to the premiership they call it the 90 million the 6 billion mm-hmm. it goes up every year I think the biggest game of the spring could end very well end up being the division 3 final in Crow Park um, because that could be the difference between one of those teams playing in the and the Lee McCarthy playing in the that'll be some prize one of those teams playing in the Sam McGuire and one of those teams playing in the Talton Cup yeah, Dick, I'll give you the last word on any team from Division 3 or 4 that's piqued your interest or you're intrigued to see how they get on over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, Down, you know, you'd like to see Down, you know, get back up. You know, they're a traditional county that we all sort of liked and enjoyed, you know, playing against and all the rest. And it's, it's about time that they got back up and, 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 and kept up at the level that they have. You know, fair play Good to Anstrom, correct me if I'm wrong, did Anstrom come out of Division 4 last year? It's good to see them making a bright start. So, as I say, I'm always sort of keeping an eye out for the for the Ulster counties to try and get up because it, it sort of lends itself to a really competitive Ulster Championship. So, listen, that's going to be, you know, as Connor says, very intriguing. Westmeath, you know, they'll not want to, you know, slip back. Like, they had a very positive year last year um, and, and, you know, acquitted themselves very well in the All-Ireland Series. They'll want to try and get back up there so you know expect you know there'll be an awful lot to play for in that division over the last the next couple of weeks and as I say you know Sligo sticking their head up there as well so I think that that could be as as, as competitive as anywhere else even coming down to the last two or three games probably we might shift our focus to the, the, the bottom of division two and the top of division three because division one could probably 
just sort of fall away a bit depending on who's interested or not whereas there's an awful lot more to play for um, in those two divisions so yeah so it's good good to see down pushing on as they, they were they sort of let themselves down a wee bit I felt in the Talchin Cup final last year when we bet them they never turned up at all so you know Conor Laverty there we want, want to push on because there is talent in down we know that they just need to get a bit of consistency and build a build a better sort of structure and culture there so let's, let's keep an eye on them as the year goes on yeah and plenty to look forward to over the next couple of weeks I'd like to thank Dick and Conor for joining me on today's show a reminder that although there's no football next weekend there's plenty to listen to in terms of the hurling show with Michael Verney in the meantime you can subscribe to us on Spotify Apple Podcasts or listen on independent.ie so until the next time thanks so much for listening and goodbye